Well, good afternoon, Faith Family Church. So we just heard an amazing sermon by Pastor Kyle to kick off his series in 1 Peter. So today he did 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, titled The Elect Exiles. And interestingly, Kyle was kind of texting with us last night. So he had, uh, what, 8,000 words in that sermon yeah. and, and 40 pages of sermon notes. It, it didn't quite feel that way, did it? No. No, no you, you immersed in it quickly if you were paying attention. Yeah, yeah. He was able to just quickly suck us into the text and into the sermon, and, and he packaged it just so clear and powerfully for being, what, two verses of Scripture, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he, he, he broke it down into the writer, um, the readers, and then the takeaways. So first off, for you, Mike, what are some of the, the, the takeaways that really impacted you from this sermon? I, I could just start at the beginning and go yeah. by. But I think on the, in the, towards the end when he talked about, uh, in his actual takeaway, when he talked about the election and ministry, how that should build the local church, talked about some of the issues that the doctrine of election has tended to cause, maybe, right. in, in times passing. did such a good job, gentle, mm-hmm. yet not backing down from, from the truth of what Scripture says about that. And then right after that, I, you know, I was kind of focused on the, the election and ministry, but the election and human responsibility, man. Right, right. That one was powerful. So yeah. those were my two. What about you? Man, I, well, let me just touch on that a second because I loved it when he said that you don't have to reconcile two friends. Yes. Yeah, so you've got the sovereignty of God in election, then you have the human responsibility, and you don't have to reconcile them because those, those two truths exist in Scripture. Yeah. And, you know, as I look back throughout, you know, church history with great theologians that have worked through that, um, Andrew Fuller, um, I just have to say, if, if you're... If you're you want to know more about it, go read some of Andrew Fuller's work. He was one of the first like, primary Baptists mm-hmm. to tackle that. So for me in the sermon, the things that I really loved is, quite frankly, it was his takeaways. And you know, this understanding of, of our election rests in the sovereignty of God. So um, for me personally, I don't have any pride. And one of the comments he said is that election crushes your moral pride. So when I think about my salvation, I recognize that the only thing that I was able to contribute to it is the sin that made it necessary. Um, I'm quoting somebody, some, yeah. somebody, probably R.C. Sproul, I don't know <laughs> who originally said it, but the truth stands nonetheless. So there's no pride in, in, in my salvation, mm-hmm. and I, I am fully confident that it was God's sovereign hand of election that saved me. It's all by His grace. Yeah. So it, it crushes the pride, but then how does that outflow in our lives? And you know, like you said, to live like an exile because this world is not our home. Nope. You know, when we feel like we are sojourners, aliens, we feel like we don't fit here, it's an indication that you are created for another world, for another place, that you just don't belong here. So there was so much in it. Um, I, I did additionally like how he broke down who the readers were, both geographically, right. how they're, that you mean, know, the dispersion. Yeah. Never, I'd never heard that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you have the, the diaspora, the dispersion. So you think about the persecution that was thrusting them and launching the gospel out of Jerusalem. And fortunately, at that point in time in history, we had the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, with the Roman roadways. So the gospel was able to just rapidly travel throughout the known world. Yeah. So the dispersion, there, there were, you know, 
geographically dislocated. They were sociologically strangers. Um, they were living like they were Babylonian exiles, and then theologically that they were elect. So he broke it down to who the specific audience was. It was fantastic. I just loved it. Well, and he, and he proved again from the beginning, too, um, as good um, preachers should, that there's not a wasted word in here. Yes. The greeting. And, you know, in my personal, uh, there's been times in the past where I would skip that to get, but do you, I mean, look at what I would have missed yeah, to yeah. just skip through that and get on to uh, verse three or four or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I've seen folks who have preached through Ephesians and they skipped over, you know, Ephesians 1, 5, a little bit, in, you know, Ephesians chapter two, yeah. because they want to get into the application in four, five, and six. So, yeah. I mean, they skip over the meat of the doctrine in the first couple of chapters because uh, it may not sit well with people, but you're not feeding the sheep if you do that. Right. You have to honor God's word and teach it in its entirety, even if it's uncomfortable for him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, let's talk about that. So, what was your first encounter with the doctrine of, of, of election, and how did it impact you in your Christian walk? Yeah. So, I, I wasn't necessarily raised in that. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and it was so later in life, I began to read scripture like this because I have the I, I highlight highlighted this in a different color so that's yep. a reminder it's a little little key that I have but I can remember as as I begin to to read uh, through scripture realizing that hmm I didn't have as much to do with my salvation as I have originally thought right so unpacking in and it was really interesting today. As he goes and he unpacks the doctrine of election, he, he, there's no surprise there because reading on my own, I begin to see what this means. Kyle goes right down the you know the line as far as this is this is what Scripture means about election. He goes through the Old Testament to kind of give it the bedrock of right. what the, what it means, which is incredibly important. That was incredibly important to me, and I, I don't really know exactly why, but it, it was when I first understood that. Mm -hmm. But that verse out of Ezekiel, was it Ezekiel that you read yeah, about he, the book? Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh my gosh, that just laid me bare. And I can remember reading verses like that, that just laid it down and realizing I did not have anything to do. So I, I can't, I didn't have anything to do with right. salvation. I, I don't know if I can give you a date or a time, yeah. but I begin to, as I begin to see that, fortunately in me, it seemingly was more uh, humble because it just, I, I was telling you before, and I'm not ashamed to say it, not on the outside, but on the inside as he's going through the election, I'm just weeping on the inside yeah. because that's where it takes me. It brings me back to that time and just pushes me down. Uh, to understand that it's not what I did. It's what he did. Amen. It's not that I deserved it. It's in his mercy. You know, I, I can go on about that. No, that's, so, that's great. Tell me about you. So for me, it was a bit different. Um, and, you know, he talked about some people that were saved. Uh -huh. And, you know, we can call it an Armenian church. Yes. And very human-centered um, gospel presentation about making a decision. That was not my scenario. Right. So my situation for salvation was very unique in that I was, I was deployed, I was across the ocean, and I saw in retrospect that God was doing specific things in my life. He was putting, on, put, putting me on assignment orders, mm -hmm. sending me to a job that I shouldn't have been in, going on a, a deployment. I mean, all these things that were completely unique, like God was hardening hearts to, 
to lead me to go on to this deployment where I would be a liaison officer, completely uh, you know, separated from my unit, completely alone for the first time really in my adult life without having peers and friends. I mean, I was, I was quite frankly isolated. And it was in that specific environment back in early 2011 that I began to really wrestle with my sin. I began to see myself as being a, a wicked person, as being a wretch, as just being a, a reprobate. I mean, I, I was a vile, vile sinner, and I had all this time to reflect upon myself and who I was. And, and eventually, when I felt just convicted and condemned in the fact that I could not overcome the lust of my flesh, the first thing I did is I actually brought a Bible with me on that deployment, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to read this Bible and see if it has anything to say about, about, about this. So I flipped it open to, uh, to Matthew, and for really the first time in my adult life that I began to read the scriptures, I read Matthew chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. I got to Matthew chapter 5, and it was that point, you know, when he said, uh, you know, if you've got lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery, and if your eye caused you to sin, to pluck it out. And, and I was like, I was broken down because I knew enough of the gospel that Jesus Christ had died for my sins, but I never believed it. So intellectually, I kind of knew that truth. But at that point in my life, I, I threw myself upon the mercies of Christ because he was leading me to this point in place and time to where I had no other choice. Mm -hmm. I was face to face with myself as being a wretched sinner. And I just, I knew he had died for my sins and I, I, I trusted wholly in this truth because he was the one that was working behind the scenes to soften my heart. Uh, and, and come to find out, ironically, that that same day on February 27th, 2011, uh, I spoke with Mary on Skype that evening and come to find out that she was saved in the same exact day. So back in North Carolina, Mary was reading her Bible, independent of me reading mine. I had no clue what she was doing. She didn't know what I was doing. And come to find out that my wife was born again as well on the same exact day. So for me and for her, quite frankly, we, don't, we, we never looked at the doctrine of election or salvation as being something that's man-centered because it was so supernaturally right. God-orchestrated that we just had to trust it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and it's you brought up a good point too. It's it's you didn't necessarily understand the doctrine of election maybe at the point, but looking back at a later date, Correct. you could, you know, you know. I just uh, knew something crazy happened. Right, like, <laughs> right at that yeah. moment, yeah. yeah. And um, so, why do you think it's such a? Why do you think it's? Why? It, it becomes really of a problem sometimes yeah. with, within churches and things like that. It shouldn't be. Yeah. Why do you think it is? Um, so there is a, a vein of teaching, and I'm going to primarily camp out within the Baptist faith mm -hmm. because I, I think that we, that's our current context. Right. There's a vein of teaching within Baptist today that has straw man arguments against the doctrine of election and predestination. And they say, if you believe in this, what they call, you know, Calvinism, if you believe that you're a five pointer, then you don't do X, Y, and Z. You don't do evangelism. Yep. You don't do that. So um, they use those straw man arguments and you hear a lot of people that are just teaching that and teaching that. And so what they're doing is they're indoctrinating the people that are listening to that type of, of preaching and teaching from the pulpit and from you know small groups and Sunday schools to, to be on the lookout for anybody who has a view of election or predestination or, or a Calvinistic view. 
and, and to automatically kind of confront them and combat them. Now, um, like Kyle said, there are some people that are Calvinists that are a little bit obnoxious. Yes. Um, recognize there that that is yeah. so, but the same can be true with the, with the Armenians Absolutely. as well. So um, I think that some folks have been, have been taught to think this way. And, you know, like, like Kyle had mentioned um, about the, I'm trying to see where it is in my notes that, uh, oh, it said, so, you know, as exiles, we need to talk about election and evangelism, ministry, human responsibility, as well as non-Christians. And so he brought out really four great points, which are the greatest points of contention between those two camps. Yeah. And so what I, would, what I would argue is if you are struggling with, with the doctrine of election, if you're struggling with these four things, is to really honestly interact with the scriptures. Mm -hmm. To, to pray through the scriptures and to say, God, just show your truth to me and, and, and you know, change my heart if, if my presuppositions are wrong, if the, if the way that I've been taught to believe is wrong. You, you want to have a theology that's based solely and firmly in, in God's word. Mm -hmm. so, so wrestle with that and don't allow the, the straw man arguments to, to pollute the well, so to speak. Mm -hmm. There's some great writings out there. One of the, one of the great books that um, I always point people to about evangelism is uh, written by J.I. Packer evangelism, the sovereignty of God. So if you're struggling with that, like how do you reconcile the, the necessity to, to evangelize and bring the gospel to the corners of the world with the sovereignty of God, then go there. Go to that book. It's a great read. Yeah. Well, and so coming from that type of background, um, I, I appreciate the gentleness that Kyle uh, spoke to those that m may not be there yet. Mm -hmm. And that he's, he has said it before, he said it again today, and it's true for me, and uh, it would be true for, for those in my family that are believers, that we came to know, hear the gospel through churches that may not always embrace yes, that. Yeah. So that should say something to us. It, I, I will never, or, or I, I, my intention is never to use it as a weapon, never right. to beat anybody down with it. Um, but also to to not shy away from it and uh, to realize that it puts my salvation in a completely different perspective when I truly understand election. Yeah, and so when we're engaging within those conversations from within the body of Christ, recognizing um, that if we're, you know, conversing with a Methodist, and so they, they came up under... Uh, the Wesley approach and say they lean more Arminian. That's um, not to say that they're not saved. Right, absolutely. Um, and so to not get into a combative mode with them or even some of the, what they call, you know, traditional Baptists or ones that lean more towards the free will, we're not questioning their salvation. Absolutely. And, and so what we have to do is approach this with an Irenic spirit. Um, and, and what that means is to not do so to, to win the argument. And to do so, you know, as a friend, recognizing that um, they've got, you know, uh, baggage for how they were brought up within the Christian faith. And so um, you're not trying to win the argument. Ultimately, the end state of that is to glorify our Savior mm -hmm. through having these, these tough conversations amongst the body of Christ. And we, we may even have, you know, church members or people that attend faith family yeah. that, that differ from us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of it's just, uh, I've heard the term before, it's a, a kind of a, intermural type of debate that's yeah. the best way to look at it yeah, yeah and we're all on the same team yeah. but we've divided into teams and we can debate about this and, and not be 
ugly about it. Yeah, and to not let, let our pride or ego and you know sense of being right to allow us to come off as jerks in the process. Yeah, and which you know that, like you said, it's on both sides. That shows the heart more than it shows the theology. You know, to yep. me. Yeah. Okay, so Faith Family, we really hope that this sermon from First Peter was a blessing to you and that this discussion panel was edifying. Um, and we just, I'm, I'm excited that, you know, uh, Kyle is teaching through First Peter. I am too. Unfortunately, you know, I'm sad that I'm going to be moving here in, in yeah. a few more weeks, but uh, nonetheless, I'll be following online from a distance. So uh, we look forward to seeing you guys back here next week. God bless. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.